Sorry. Well, let me. No, yeah, we're good. (laughs) Hey, what's up? Welcome to Psychotronic Cast. (laughs) My name is Alec Berg, coming to you from a ventilated trailer in the worst air quality uh, capital of the world, Portland, Oregon. What's up? Fires 2020. Um, Joining me, uh, hopefully, in a safer location is Derek Estes. You can and you should subscribe to us on Instagram and whatever social or uh, podcast platform that you're listening to this on. And uh, guess what? Uh, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, they're starting to carry our backlog. So I don't have to preach about there's only 22 of the most recent episodes on those platforms. I think it goes all the way back to like episode 12. So if you want the first dozen episodes, come to psychotronicast.com and you'll find them there. You'll also find a link to our Patreon for $5 a month. You can get uh, dozens more podcasts that you can't get anywhere else. And this week's podcast on Patreon is all about Bob Fosse. It's an epic one. I think it was like 80 or 90 minutes. So we do not cheat you on that. So just uh, look for Psychotronicast on Patreon and you will find it. All right. Without further ado, back to the Nicolas Cage series. So Derek, what the hell are you getting us into? Uh, so this, it was tough trying to you know, figure out my my second Cades film because there's so many, so many classics to to go towards. Um, but I decided to go with Color Out of Space because I had been meaning to see it, and uh, yeah, and it's the Lovecraft. I know he was going to be pretty wild, so I, I think it was to be a good a good Cage pick. Yeah, it's it's a rage cage for sure. Yeah, totally. And it was made by. Um, and I also. Oh yeah, go for it. I mean, I see, yeah, I. Mean, I, I like Richard Stanley, I mean, the only movie of his I know besides this, I mean, he had, hadn't done anything for, like, 25 years, um, was that movie he did Hardware from, like, 30 years ago, from 1990. Um, just a really cool, low-budget, like, post-apocalyptic, yeah, just horror sci-fi movie um, that I really loved. So I was excited to see what he would do now, uh, kind of coming out of, like, a, you know, almost retirement to do this. Apparently he's actually supposed to do I mean, the plans before, obviously, like, 2020 destroyed everyone's dreams, uh, uh, make a trilogy, I mean, kind of a series. Mm. Um, cause they were prepping the Dunwich Horror after this. Like, I was reading, like, the last update was from January, February, so who who knows what's going on with that. But, uh, yeah, he was going to do a few of them. But starting off with um, was probably one of H.P. Lovecraft's uh, most popular short stories. It's been made in the movies like, uh, multiple times. Uh, the only other ones I've seen is Die, Monster, Die, the one made uh, in AI, by AIP in the mid-60s, like 65. It was directed by Daniel Haller, who did uh, all the production design for Roger Corman's Poe films. So it kind of has the look of the Poe films, uh, Boris Karloff's in it, but it just doesn't, it's not written as well, so it, it kind of falls flat. It looks great, but it's not a great movie. Um, but yeah, this movie I was actually, I was very happy with. I was very pleased with. Yeah. Uh, this is the first new Cage film I've seen since Mandy last year, and it had the same production company, or one, because it's like tied to like a half dozen production companies, this one. Yeah. Um, I think it's XYZ. And uh, they did Mandy, and they also did Mom and Dad, which is another like critically acclaimed Cage film from the year prior. So it seems like he's still... 
you know, at this at this stage in Cage's career, you'll you'll find diamonds in the rough. I mean, he puts out like seven movies a year, and sometimes um, people just know how to use him the right way. I mean, I'm not I, I haven't given a chance to like ninety five percent of the things that he's done over the last decade, but when I do jump in and watch a Cage film, I'm pleasantly surprised for the most part. Yeah, and he's starting to get some yeah. play too. I see that um, his new. One of his newer films, Primal, is available on Hulu, and it's like the first thing you see when you log in, and that's like big time. And Primal Wait, was just like the film that they yeah. shot uh, at our old work. That's funny. So uh, yeah, we weren't working there uh, when it happened, but um, so I was just like, oh, I should probably put that on and see like if I can. I mean, I'm sure I'll easily figure out <laughs> what scene that is where I'm like, oh, there it oh, is. Yeah. But. Um, Yes, yeah, so that's on Hulu. Uh, I think Mom and Dad is on Shutter. This is a Shutter exclusive, uh, Color Out of Space. So yeah, Nick Cage is still, um, still getting it done, and with a modest budget um, and some shoddy CGI in this, it still plays really well because of some of the fucked up shit that happens in this movie. You're just oh, like, yeah. I mean, holy you hell! You have to do it. You- I mean, that's the thing with Lovecraft. I think you can't do it without CGI, really, uh, to do it right. No and way. Like, this is interesting because they do. There are a few like things they like adapt. Like it is, um, it all takes place like, yeah, you know, contemporary. It's like all modern times. But um, for the most part, it really plays pretty straightforward to the original story. Um, in the the story, like when you get to the movie, uh, you end up seeing this. Uh, he's like a water surveyor. They're going to put in uh, to put in like a giant dam. And in the original story, it's like you're kind of hearing everything from him. Like he's coming in, he's looking at this place, this, you know, this desolate area, and then he's hearing from this kind of old man about things that had happened, like back in the 1880s. This meteor hit, and then you're kind of hearing the story about the strange days you know, through them. But here they kind of compress it all where um, you get the guy, his name's Ward, and he's like, you know, checking out, you know, everything out. And then he ends up like running into uh, this girl who's like this Wiccan girl having this this ritual. Um, and that's kind of one of the, the twists. In this original story, the the main guy, like Nicholas Cage's character, he just has sons. And this is kind of mixed things up a little bit. Um, and he's kind of like meeting their family. And they're kind of this... You know, wealthy family that got this ancestral home that they've moved back to out in the country, um, out in, in you know Massachusetts. Well, in Arkham, it's just cool too. There are like things in the H.P. Lovecraft, like uh, his kind of little universe, where a lot of stuff takes place in you know Arkham, Massachusetts, uh, which is a fictional place. And there's the Miskatonic University, which is the the main university. And so even when Ward comes in, he's wearing like a Miskatonic University like shirt. Um, there's a lot of these little like these little things kind of plugged in that I really liked a lot. Um, yeah, and then yeah, you end up like just kind of meeting the family, and they're kind of like just goofballs. There's also like Tommy Chung is in it, and he's kind of like what in the original story is like the kind of crazy old coot that is kind of relaying like the the story. Uh, but in this case, it's just he's you know kind of this uh, off the grid hippie, just living off of his solar panels and and all the surveillance equipment. Uh, that was kind of a fun. Yeah, no, it was it was awesome to see him again, and playing. Sorry, I gotta take my mask off. I'm. Uh, that's how yeah. bad the air quality is. I have to wear masks in between yeah, me talking so and not. Jesus Christ. Anyway, so uh, 
Nick Cage's wife in the film, uh, Julia Richardson, if you're a fan of or did watch the series Nip Tuck, that was, uh, that was the wife in, on that show. So it had been a minute since I'd seen her. And she's great in it. Yeah, I, I like the daughter, but the sons suck. Um, <laughs> just in general, kids are hard hard to cast but um yeah yeah the daughter's fine i like the the water surveyor guy um that guy was great yeah cage is also firing on all cylinders love seeing chong and um just yeah the the house that they lived in and then like where it was i was like where is this filmed and i guess i, I looked it up and the whole thing was filmed in portugal, portugal. yeah yeah i'm like that is cool with a budget of six million i'm like great this is awesome because when cage puts out movie after movie you're thinking okay like these budgets have to keep getting smaller which like six million dollars is nothing these days and i'm sure nicholas cage no. himself is probably like half of that budget but, yeah but um yeah they really make it work uh it's it's smart to like you know centralize the whole thing and like one house only have like eight actors in the whole film and keep it mm -hmm. small but um i'm yeah for someone that doesn't know anything about hp lovecraft besides uh, the movies uh, from the 80s that... Um, oh, yeah. I well, it's all this, his like, stuff is like filtered through so many different ways because there's like the direct movies, you know, like obviously like Reanimator, like all the Stuart Gordon movies. That's it, yeah. Um, but you also have like all the ways that, you know, Lovecraft is in, you know, like the Evil Dead because, you know, they use the Necronomicon or like, you know, half of John Carpenter's 80s movies, you know, all have that like the kind of little bits and pieces of like Lovecraft throughout there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it's also funny too, because right now, obviously with, uh, you know, with Lovecraft country being on HBO and just how it's Lovecraft is really complicated right now because I mean, you oh, it's complicated, but in the, the climate right now, as far as uh, addressing like, you know, racial injustice and things, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, he was in a, he had an amazing imagination, uh, but he's also a total racist. So there's even like in Portland, there was a really popular bar, uh, called Lovecraft and they, they recently changed their name. Now they're like the coffin club. Um, you know, and there's even like in here in Portland, the Hollywood theater normally would be hosting the H.P. Lovecraft festival next month. And they posted something about it, and then uh, they had to, you know, put out like kind of an apology for not clarifying that it was about the festival and not necessarily celebrating the man. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, Lovecraft is definitely kind of uh, is a really interesting time to be kind of looking at his stuff because it's it's really great. It's been obviously super influential, but then just trying to you know reconcile that with the kind of darker sides of of you know his writing. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, really interesting too for the HBO miniseries that I haven't seen, and like this film here, that the protagonists are people of color in an HP Lovecraft yeah. thing. So that's a nice little. I mean, I'm sure he'd be rolling over in his grave right now if he found out what people were doing to his material. But it's like, oh uh, yeah, so sad. You're dead anyway. But yeah, that's know, so insane totally. that he had such a crazy imagination like that. I think we touched on that quite a bit in the From Beyond episode that we did. Oh, way yeah. back when check that out people but yeah if you want more of a hp lovecraft bio um yeah i think i remember you doing a pretty good job kind of giving me the cliff notes on yeah, the man okay. I mean, you, can I find, shit. you can find better anywhere on the internet but yeah I mean, yeah it's, it, he's just definitely like um yeah i mean he's he's great it's it's insane the stuff that i think also like with 
in, in the story, and one of the things that's difficult with making a story, especially a movie of this, is the fact that, um, you know, with Lovecraft, a lot of the horrible things that he's talking about, and even like when he was writing this story, is it was kind of in response to he was frustrated with a lot of uh, different science fiction writing dealing with aliens as humanoids. Um, and we still do that. Like, almost any other, you know, like, oh, it's going to be some sort of be E.T., or they're going to be, like, Close Encounters, or, you know, just some thing that with eyes, or even, like, you know, um, Alien, like, they, they, everything looks like it's something of Earth, like, kind of freaky, but um, if you want to deal with something, like, it's probably, which is true, like, if there is, you know, life out there, it's probably going to be so unlike anything we can imagine um, that we have a totally different biology than things that, you know, grew up on Earth. And so that was it. It's like, so this thing that we don't understand, there's no, like, with, um, you know, the meteor, you get the, you know, it's like you try to describe it as a color, a color you can't describe, but something that you can't even totally comprehend or put into words. And that was kind of what was so scary about it. It's, you know, all this stuff comes and it starts, like, fucking up everything around it, almost like radiation or something, um, where it makes all of the plants grow really wild and, you know, big and crazy. Um, but then they also just turn, there's really bitter and inedible and, um, and then everything kind of just turns to like ashy dust. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, you know, he's, he wrote the story in like 1927 and it's just like that level of like reaching this other plateau of what horror is. And then he also was really interesting and you get this in all the stuff where the mix of like the kind of occultish sort of stuff with science fiction. So it's like you're marrying these almost like two separate styles of horror. Um, and I think it's interesting when this movie, how they took and the daughter is like Wiccan and she's, you know, into all, you know, all this kind of ancient stuff. And, and there's even little like bits in the movie where they don't really go into stuff where Nicholas Cage, you know, this is his father's home. And he'll talk about like his abusive father and these kinds of, uh, you know, things they don't really get into. I and mean, that is definitely a theme in Lovecraft a lot. Like, you know, uh, Charles Dexter Ward in particular, where it's like his, you know, great grandfather, you know, he's kind of, you know, going back to the, this home, but he's maybe kind of be sort of possessed by this kind of uh, inherent evil that's passed down to the bloodlines and, you know, all these things. And even like the weird things that they kind of deal with, but it's funny because it's not in any of the stories, but like how the wife had had mastectomies, maybe a double mastectomy, and you know, going through, um, you know, all of this and her weird sex life. It's really funny because like when the meteor hits, it's like they are having sex for maybe the first time since she's had her operation. But even like he starts talking about it, even like when the, uh, the mayor and the, the police show up and he's like, well, you know, it happened because my wife and I, we were, uh, you know, in bed for the first time for whatever you're like, why are you telling him? No, that's exactly what I wrote down in the notes where I'm just like the, uh, telling the cops his sexual business. But like he does that later in the film. I, I like, I like Cage's character so much. Cause he's like beyond like a quirky, weird, nerdy, like funky dad that like, even when yeah. he's on the, the TV show later on and he's just like, he was insane. Like, what were you thinking being on the TV show? And it's like, were you drinking? And he's just like, oh, I'm, I mean, I mean, I had a couple, like, whatever. And then he looks super awkward. <laughs> and I forgot if he's, like, fidgeting something on his face. And he's like, 
his hair's all fucked up and he's super self-conscious about his hair on TV. And Yeah, it's like, could someone give me a comb? Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, Nick Cage is like... It's really good. Well, even like when he, they have this thing where they are raising alpacas. Yeah. Um, and there's a scene where he's milking the alpaca, but he's even like, oh, you grab its tit or whatever. You know, he's like, are you just... He's like sexualizing milking the alpaca, which is also funny too. I, I kind of thought that was going to play in a little more. It's like, okay, so... Because he talks about he's a leg man, you know, to make his wife feel better for the mastectomy. And then he's, like, kind of perving off on the alpaca boobs. And you're like, what? That is so weird. Um, we never really go that into it. And it's fine. It's just It definitely adds this kind of other layer of just weirdness. Um, and I like how he does, like, he progressively gets crazy. Oh, yeah. Which also fits the story, too, where it's like he's kind of like, you know, first you get, like, kind of the tone down. You know, the family man, Nicolas Cage. And then, you know, he definitely goes into the, um, yeah, the, it's, yeah, the vampire's kiss style. Um, yeah, when he's channeling his father later in the film, he, uh, yeah, starts mm-hmm. to put on the vampire kiss thing. And that's why it was like halfway through when he starts doing the voice. And I watch most of our movies, what we cover early in the morning. And so I was just like, what is going on? Like, has he been doing this the whole time and I'm just picking up on this? And then he'll go back to his regular voice and be like, oh, that was just like, some weird shtick, and then you realize it's his father, and you're like, oh, that's yeah. so great, he's doing the Vampire's Kiss voice, which anybody that's seen Vampire's Kiss before knows exactly what that sounds like. And then uh, looking yeah. it up on IMDb, is just like, yep, the, I forgot the director's name, just totally wanted him this to go for that. Way. Yeah. Even so yeah, much so, great. like, the freak out in the car, like, you know, it's all pretty mm-hmm. premeditated. Oh, yeah, that was, that was great, too. I also just love, he's like, well, the car's not gonna start. Yeah, I love yeah. Like, the uh, so. It, the, one of the things they do that's really cool in this is in the original story when the wife and you know one of the sons, you know, they kind of like are like just going crazy and just being really weird. And so the guy doesn't know what to do with them, so he ends up locking them both up in separate rooms in the attic. Mm-hmm. And um, and in the movie, I like how they end up getting you know, basically fucked up. Like, the llamas get all infected and they kind of zap them. But they start melding together, kind of the thing style. Yeah. Um, and it's so just, like, that is so disturbing. And also, like, then there's, like, the whole, you know, is he going to kill them? And then you kind of can't. But you're also like, yeah, that's fucked up. Like, I don't know. Like, put, a, put it out of its misery? Or I don't know. It's but also when he's kissing it and it's, like, the sticky... yeah. It's, kiss. It was my f- favorite part of the whole film. It's so insane when, yeah, the, the purple light gets them, uh, the, the mother and the son, and then they merge together. And it's like the youngest son, too. And it's, like, uh-huh. so disturbing because, like, all they're doing is, like, shrieking in pain or what you would assume is pain. And then, like, by the time they get them into the, the attic and, like, put them in the bed... And you're like, do I kill it? Do I feed it? Like, is this still my wife? Is this still my son? I like how he's way more focused on his wife. It's like he totally forgot his son was attached to the mom. But I guess that's why you have uh, yeah. a couple more kids in case one of them bites the dust. And you're like, eh, well, still, yeah. still got these ones. But so fucking disturbing. And I just was thinking about, like, the daughter and the son that were left. Like, what the shit, like, is going on? Oh, uh, yeah. And then, like, the actual shitty son... I mean, nobody's really shitty in this movie, but, like, the the most annoying of the three kids, he gets it the easiest. He just, like, goes into that well, and it's just like, whoop, you're yeah. gone. And I'm like, wow, that's, like, such an easy way out. <laughs> way to go. And then, yeah, Cage, Cage has the slow, 
slow and steady, painful, like, here comes that skin rash that's just gonna, like, work up your arm, and then you're just gonna, like, bug out here and there, and before you know it, you're a complete kook watching the TV talking about vacation destinations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this movie yeah. goes all over the place. I love the violence in it, too, even before the mom merges with the son, and she's chopping vegetables, and... She just yeah. gets caught in the funk and chops the tips of her fingers off. Like, that was so <laughs> wild. I know I've seen it, like, a handful of times in movies before, uh, pun intended. But, like, it was just seeing it, you're just like, oh. And I'm glad they didn't do CGI. That was definitely, like, some sort of dummy hand. It just works so much better. Yeah. So they used practical when they could, and that was great. And, yeah, the, the merging stuff definitely reminds me of the thing. And this whole story yeah. in general, I didn't realize until, like, partially through it where i'm like oh fuck stephen king totally ripped this off for a creep show oh yeah there's a lot of stephen king's a big he's gotten a lot of stuff from lovecraft i mean i think even with stephen king as far as i mean obviously he's from maine but the fact that he's kind of created castle rock and that kind of new england thing in the same kind of mold as like hp lovecraft's um version of arkham and, you know, a lot of those kind of, like, the merging mythologies. I think Stephen King's taken a lot of that from, from Lovecraft, for sure. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, yeah. my favorite cage freakout in the movie is when he starts tripping on peaches. Oh, yeah. When he picks the peaches, and they're, like, so ripe, and they're a month early, and then he's just going in the kitchen, his wife's trying to talk to him, and he's just, like, taking a bite, spitting it out, throwing it in the trash can... <laughs> doing his father's vampire kiss voice and, like, wigging out on the wife. I'm like, See, this is what... I wonder when, like, Cage reads a script. He goes, like, all right, so when do you want me to go fucking batshit? Right here? All right. Yeah, And totally. then just... It's kind of like, you know, somebody telling Paul McCartney to play Hey Jude. It's like, all right, you know you're going to hear it. So, yeah. when do you want it? And here we go. Andy, yeah. Why is my most famous song think. seven and a half minutes? Okay, well, sorry about that, but um, the last five minutes you do not want to hear, at least with that original recording. For some reason, our end got so screwed up. You heard it probably in the 12-minute mark, the little, like, buzzing and clickiness, but it just got out of control. And anyway, we were going off on tangents. It was that had nothing ghosts. to do With the what? It was the, the satellite ghosts. True. Yeah, they want this to end, and that's fine. Um, we've got one more Cage movie to go after this. Yeah. And uh, it's Drive Angry, so get ready for that shit. It's available just to rent, really, unless if you have USA Network. I saw that, but who has the USA Network these days? So, yeah, rent it on Amazon. We're going to talk about it next time around. And our Patreon is back with new episodes, starting with uh, Bob Fosse. We're doing his entire filmography and the FX miniseries that came out last year with Michelle Williams and Sam Rockwell, Fosse Verdon. And, uh, yeah, it'll be great. So just grab your warm bottle of rosé, or rosé Riesling, and start drinking. Which, why did they drink? We didn't talk about that in the Patreon. Like, his favorite drink was warm white wine. What the hell is that about? Oh, I don't know. I didn't pick up on that, but, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe it just washes the pills down better. I guess so. Yeah, because even in, like... Um, you know, the cold, the cold wine might, you know, get, get you know, you know a, a, a pill, like, stuck somewhere in your, your trachea. So maybe just if it's warm, it just, you know, loosens everything up. You don't know, seize. I'll buy it. That's, that's, what, that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, so 
Thanks for checking out this episode. Um, if this sounds a little weird to you, we're switching up the way that we record things. So uh, this week, the end of this week, and next week's episode is going to sound a little bit different. But by the time we start our new series, we're going to sound better than ever because we're getting new mics, baby. Or we're just going to start using telepathy and we're going to start projecting our ideas directly you know, in, into the pod, pod verse. So until then, let's keep it purely casual. 